0: Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today.
2: Sorry, I'm going to do a belch.
1: Do you need some?
2: Maybe you need, need, need to be burped little Get, little get my blood. reflux get shoulders.
1: shoulders. <laughs> well done. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Kalatato, this is Gone by Lunchtime. January 25, 2024. A whole new year. Back here in the studio for Gone by Lunchtime. I'm Toby Manhart, Kia ora Ben Thomas. Kia ora. Annabelle Kia ora. Kia ora. Nice to see you both. Also nice to see Jay Butler. To Toby today. Happy New Year. Belatedly, tum to tum. Gonna get into things very shortly. First, some administration. Some admin. We are doing a live podcast, which hopefully everyone is alert to. Two on February the fifteenth, Thursday, the February fifteenth, as part of a Podfest at Kew. It's Q Theatre, in the center of Auckland. Did you forget
0: to get your partner a Valentine's Day gift? Oh yeah, that's true. Right. It's the oh, day after. Wow, perfect, yeah, perfect. Thoughtful. makeup, yes. Thing is to come and, and Tick our by lunchtime. romantic, yeah. <laughs>
2: um, um, oh, no,
0: baby, I, I did get you. So No, I got you tickets to the special <laughs> Gone by Lunchtime <laughs> show tomorrow. Is that,
2: but I that I didn't thing want to ruin you listen to when you're wandering around the kitchen? Um,
1: I'd be thrilled.
2: Get this as well. You can mm-hmm. get tickets at Q Theatre. I realise that we will be, this is quite terrifying, potentially. We will we'll be on, on that live podcast, we'll be celebrating our eighth birthday. <gasps> Eight years of Gone by Lunchtime. Quite a long time.
1: Well, wow, still, is. Is,
0: still as fresh and entertaining and
2: novel yeah. as ever. I mean, we, eight years ago, invented podcasting. It yeah. was, the, yeah. was the first podcast. Not many people know that. Yeah. More admin. We ran recently a crowdfunding campaign for a series that is going to be running on the spin-off in the year to come called What's Eating Aotearoa? One of the reward levels was if you... Um, contributed a certain amount, you got a shout-out on Gone By Lunchtime podcast, which is cool, and a handful of people paid their money for that particular privilege. They were offered the opportunity of either being praised or denounced. Mm. Everyone chose praise, <laughs> oh, which is, is good, odd. which is fine. Yeah. Um, was and was so there a
0: higher tier whereby you would be praised but people wouldn't know it was because you gave Toby money?
2: Oh. No, that's your business, Ben. Like, that's what? that's, <laughs> yeah. that's not how we do it here. <laughs> um, so, Carol Green. Shout out to Carol Green. Thank you, Carol Green. I've got Claire written here. There are just Claire. There are lots of great clears around. I don't think you didn't Claire's praise, are good. You didn't are praise of, Carol. Oh, I love Car- – Carol Green, you're amazing. Yeah. Um, Claire, Number one Carol. Just, just Claire alone. I don't know. It could be there's so many good clears around. Don't mm. there? Not as good, as good good as that one, but not as, <laughs> good, not as, as, good, as, as good as this particular clear. She's the cream of the cream, the clearest of all the clears. Mm. Felicity Litcher, um, the exquisite Felicity Litcher. Thank you, Felicity. Ange Wadsworth, Ange Wadsworth. I would I love like to her. praise Ange. Yeah, you, your you're always going on I'll about. She's amazing. Honestly, every
1: her. time we Sometimes catch her. up, much, too
2: much. And Courtney Johnston. How's uh, oh, that, friend of our the friend, pod? Friend of the pod. Yeah. Fantastic, Courtney Johnson. Praise her even if she didn't, con- well, praise all of these people. That didn't con- it's not about the money. It's never about the money.
1: No,
0: so- for, from now on, if, if she stops. It's
1: about the money. If the
0: tap turns off, that's it for Courtney. <laughs> that's right. It's just It's just <laughs> harsh, harsh, unrelenting
2: criticism. Uh, and Marie Elliott-Jones and her high-quality children, Edie and Morris, so, top notch children. Hey,
1: Waddy. Terrific,
2: Marie. Terrific children. Finally, I'm um, not a contributor, but over the holidays, my friend Kerry Ann texted me that she was on holiday with another family, and the 11 year old Freddie was a very keen fan of Gone by Lunchtime. Listen to every episode. So, I just wanted to shout out Freddie. Shout out Freddie. shout out Freddie. The future of Aotearoa is secure. Send Ann Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> ben won't let <laughs> you vote, but.
2: And last thing before we get into it, we just want to acknowledge the passing of Selwyn Muru, a fantastic contributor to New Zealand culture. Kia ora, Selwyn. All right. Let's talk about the three-headed tanifa. We've had an extra sort of event. There's always – Ratana and Waitangi are the sort of kind of, you know, part of the The –
0: quote-unquote The
2: Māori political calendar. Of the political year. The political year as a whole, it's got, you know, it's sort of – you sort of know things gear up. Mm. In politics generally, in Māori politics.
0: Traditionally in New Zealand, we have the situation where real politics starts after parliament sits... And you have the kind of warm-ups. We just do multi politics right. to begin with. It's kind of like a preseason game for the league. It's wow. still a bit of fun. <laughs> a bit of fun. You yeah, just only, have a bit of a run around. We're only we four, <laughs> four, <laughs> four <laughs> minutes in, and Ben's already <laughs> himself. Just got to <laughs> just got to loosen up. No, I'm making a stinging. I'm making a stinging stinging criticism of the way that we've previously oh. regarded Māori issues. Oh, I probably see. Probably until you know. Probably until oh. the last sort of. I would say, decade and a half uh, in, in New Zealand politics, where it's kind of been, it's almost been sort of partitioned off mm. at the beginning, so that you go to Ratana, um, you go to Waitangi, and then you're like, done and dusted. Oh, now, let's, uh, yeah. <laughs> now let's, yeah, now let's get on to arguing about ministerial car expenses and all the important <laughs> stuff.
2: Okay, I'm glad we clarified the heavy dollop of irony involved there.
1: Beautiful.
2: This year, Annabelle. Yes. We had a third kind of um, installed when Kingitanga hosted uh, uh, Huiamotu, um, Between 10,000 and 12,000 people uh, reported to have been there the weekend before last, Wahia, at at um, at Turangawaiwai Murai. And it was put together in response to a range of measures that are being introduced in the new coalition government to talk about it. Christopher Luxon said that it, was, it wasn't about the government, Government. it was about a range of topics, <laughs> said Christopher <laughs> Luxon, who's been also insisting, which I like quite a lot, he's been talking about aeration of issues a lot lately. He likes the aeration of issues. So it's going to be a big year for aeration. Um, that event, in Haiya, Annabelle, was quite an Im- impressive turnout. Um, people seem to come away from it. I don't know if you were there. I wasn't yeah. there. Were you there?
1: Yeah.
2: Tell, 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 can you can you give us a rundown on on the event? Also, maybe like a quick Cole's notes on Kingi and where that sits within Te ao Māori?
1: Mm-hmm. Um So the Kingitanga is a political movement that was, you know, established into in response to, you know, the growing tensions between Maori and the Crown and conflict and all of that sort of stuff. And as a result, it's probably the most one of the most enduring political. Um, institutions in Aotearoa, um, over the weekend they hosted a hui to discuss a a, a cohesive response by Māori to the proposed um, legislation um, regarding the Act's uh, Treaty Bill mm. and the, the re-terming of the um, principles, rephrasing, rewriting. Reinterpretation of the um, the the treaty, my, minor,
0: edits. Min, the my, minor edits, minor edits, <laughs> treaty,
1: the
0: treaty principles,
1: <laughs> um, along with a you know a whole lot of other issues around you know what Maori see as the minimisation of Te Reo Maori by the English government, so on and so forth. There was about ten to twelve thousand people, which exceeded even the expectations of the Um There was. All sorts of people from every walk of life, kaumatua, kuia, Māori leaders, gang members, the greasy dogs, the mongrel mob, social workers, order, reporters, everyone you can think of, plenty of Pākehā, predominantly Māori, um, who engaged in a range of discussions. There was a number of breakout panels around Oranga wellbeing, what that means for the environment, economically, um, health wise. There was a panel on the treaty, a panel on the deal. Where yeah, basically ten thousand people um, listened to and engaged in a discussion about those issues. Um, it was a remarkable hui, um, not just because of how uplifting and positive. And unifying it felt to be there, Um, but also Mm. because it was a really powerful reminder of what a remarkable institution the Kingitanga is and the Mm. foresight of our tupuna to set it up. Because to be able to host 10,000 people, you know, with six weeks' notice, to literally feed them. Sunscreen them, water them. Was there shelter? It was very hot. Was there was marquees set up everywhere, amazing. so there was a whole lot of different marquees with different panels happening in them at the same time. Mm. It was hot, and everyone was really incredibly well taken care of. And the power of the Kingitanga is to, is really that there is this amazing ope, workforce, ropu that sits behind it, people that will come at a drop of a hat to serve that movement, Mm. to park people, clear the rubbish, feed people, all in honour of the kingitanga. Um, And then the added, um, uh, I guess, power that it has nowadays is that, you know, it is, centred in, in Waikato Tainui who are an iwi that now have a billion dollar economic base to draw on so mm. you know the potential to literally drag the government through every court in the land and potentially overseas as well but um, incredible n- number of issues discussed everything from gangs to the well being of our tamariki to all of the stuff that's happening in government and just a really positive powerful hui
2: mm. The that then was followed by Ratana was the sort of next set piece, which was uh, yesterday, and that was that's normally a pretty sort of serene kind of by design uh, event, and there was a bit more politics that seeped into it than usual. And as you mentioned, Annabelle, it's the ACT Party's Treaty Principles Bill that has become the centre of the pushback. Um, there are a range of different issues, but that one has become increasingly the focus. Christopher Luxon is under pressure increasingly. Um, to, And he's in a difficult position, Ben, because he is asked, so you're only supporting this bill to select committee, this bill which would rewrite the principles of the treaty. And to be clear, the principles of the treaty are not the same as the articles of the treaty. The principles of the treaty are... They are a construct that have been created by politicians and courts as a way of trying to interpret and apply the treaty to treaties, an English-language treaty and a, a Māori-language treaty, into um legislation. Jeffrey Palmer did that in the late eighties and uh through the courts and through the Waitangi Tribunal. So and they're an ongoing thing. And if you you know the Waitangi Tribunal say this is a this is an evolving set of principles. But the set of principles proposed in the bill, which would be put to a referendum if passed, have no mention of anything like Langatira or partnership or anything like that. They're basically we're all the same guys. That's kind of the, the, the summary of it. yeah. Um, yeah. Um, um, sorry, to my question to you, though, is how is Luxon managing that in terms of... He basically is saying, we, this is not National Party policy. We don't want to do this. He's asked, but will you support it after after Select Committee? And he says, I couldn't be clearer. I I don't see how I could be clearer and then doesn't answer yes or no. Because he can't answer no, because then that would make a mockery of the, the undertaking he's, that is given in the coalition agreement. How is he managing that? is it he, you know he, he he gave a speech at um Ratana yesterday which in which he said we will not mess with the Treaty of Waitangi. We um, uh, are not changing things, time to time. Audrey Young wrote quite an interesting piece in which he said he appeared to have written memos to his speech writers saying, make this as dull as possible, which (laughs) might be quite a good tactic. We don't want to attract more heat to this this issue. He doesn't want to be the centre of attention here. It's a very long-winded question. How is he managing it? Is this just MMP politics and we have to get over it? Has Christopher Luxon made a rod for his own back in the coalition agreement?
0: Well, I mean, there's certainly a rod there, but, you know, whether he made it for himself or whether ACT, you know, insisted on it being there and then giving him a few whacks with it in exchange for confidence and supply, you know, that's the question. None of us were in the room for the coalition negotiations. What we do know is that spirits within New Zealand First and act sort of hardened as the process went on and they demanded, you know, we, under. you know, it's understood that they sort of, you know, presented a more united front to try and really kind of screw concessions out of national, um, you know, because in terms of the treaty referendum legislation, um, that was something that throughout the campaign, Luxon said, absolutely not, won't do it. Even through the negotiations, where he, where Luxon himself, otherwise had very good message discipline in terms of not discussing what would be,
2: yeah.
0: you know, what was under under talks, said that we won't have a treaty referendum. We're not going to have it. It would be, it divisive. be
2: divisive. He's repeated that it would be divisive. Yeah. And
0: look, it, it in the end there was <laughs> he a was com- right. Yeah, and look, in, in the end there was a compromise, right, which was that they would support the legislation to the first reading, and there was no commitment beyond that. Now, in a coalition agreement. That's generally code for <laughs> – we're not going to support this, but we'll let you, we'll let you have a, a public airing of mm, it. Mm. Aeration. Six, yes, aeration. That's right. Seymour has sort of taken that less as a kind of snub and more as a challenge – saying well look if we can get it to select committee we can yep. have the the debate that i want the public debate on the principles and what they should be you know according to the act party versus um, you know the numerous people who will presumably contribute which will include you know which will include uh, groups from, you know, far on the other side who say the principles are just a sort of halfway reheated. Right. Reheat
2: WBYTT yeah. doesn't want principles for the for, for, to be applied at all because if, if you're it's watering down the, 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 the words yeah, of the
0: treaty. The, the late Moana Jackson, you know, Matiki Mai, you know, that they, they contemplates something far in excess of what the treaty principles contemplate in terms of sort of equal power sharing and these sorts of things. So um, you know, the, the there will be, you know, that debate, um, and it'll get a lot of airtime for, you know, for a period of what, maybe four to six weeks, say. Luxon did actually, go, again, went as far as saying, I think in response to a question by Takuta Ferris, the new Māori Party MP, uh, at question time just before Christmas, he actually said the bill will go to select committee and it will go no further. Or well, that's as far as it will go, or something Some like that. Some
2: of the phrasing's been a bit, a bit... Open to interpretation I, I, well, bit, about bit, whether well, the commitment goes no further or whether it will go no further. I, I mean, I, th- in, I, th- I think in, we in know allies, what he meant, but it was
0: probably a bit of a slip. Sure, I th- sure. sure. I think that was where he sort of got a little bit loose. Yeah. And just as we've also, you know, Tauhanare has been tweeting that apparently Christopher Luxon in one of his numerous uh, meetings with King Tuhaitia, yeah. uh assured him that ACT would vote the bill down at second reading. National would vote the bill mm. down at second reading. Now that's totally plausible, and I'm sure he probably did say that to yeah. Tuhatia. Um, but, you know, but, of course, there is this, There is this. you know, you do need this deference to what's in the coalition agreement in order to keep all three parties happy and on the same track, you know, still only, what, fucking two months into the new government, right? Mm, yeah. um, but what we are seeing is a lot of needling and undermining, right, particularly from the two smaller parties. So, you know, New Zealand First have got their own anti-treaty legislation and, and reviews and things uh, promised, you know, in their coalition agreement. Yeah. So they've come out much more openly. Shane Jones said, "You know, we're not going to we're not going to support it past the first reading in terms of acts no, policy. no, but then, no, but then he walked it back, yeah, because he realised, he you know, probably got the hard word from the chief. He got a call from the chief of well, staff saying,
2: but also, hey, come
0: on, look, but also
2: he, I mean, but also New Zealand First position, and I mean, you know, the the, the espoused position by Shane Jones and Winston Peters is that the Waitangi Tribunal." needs a good dressing down. Yeah,
0: yeah, but they've got their own review for that, right? Right, but, so they, but they, that's, so the,
2: that's the treaty <laughs> principles that are, that that underpin the operations of much of the, the, the tribunal, right?
0: Uh, well, it, it underpins some of the decision-making by I the tribunal. I think that's what they've also, latched onto,
2: is what but, I'm saying, is, oh, this is a way that we can have a go at the tribunal.
0: That, yeah, that, that's part of it. But I mean, no, the other stuff that uh, Jones is looking at, and he's talked about this for a long time in terms of the mm-hmm. tribunal are things like its jurisdiction. You know, does it have the jurisdiction to to look at the entire health sector and then start making policy recommendations about it, um, the so-called kaupapa claims, um, and, you know, sometimes you do see the Waitangi Tribunal tying itself into incredible knots, getting a little outside its purview, because it's essentially a bunch of um, treaty lawyers and historians sitting as a panel, and, you know over the water claims they were getting into all sorts of trouble sort of asking expert witnesses what a share was in a company and then trying to reinvent company law sort of from the ground up in their decisions and and they they you know the, the usefulness of the tribunal really starts to suffer once as, as they get further and further away from core business but but the the major point here though is that I th- In terms of the, the dynamics of the coalition partners, is that I think New Zealand First are very happy to see that, at, at, you know, now the news stories that maybe Act's bill is dead on arrival, it's not going to go anywhere, it's all just a bit of sound and fury signifying nothing, but New Zealand First. <laughs> <laughs> rolling back of the power of the Waitangi Tribunal, yeah. that, that's something that's still going somewhere because there is that jockeying right between New Zealand First and ACT for a particular vote, which is the um, you know the so-called anti-treaty or what anti-modification one rule yeah, that, that sort of vote. And in the middle, you've got poor old Luxon going like, I want to bring us all together, <laughs> and you know, um, and it's and it's a, it's a really hard hard act for all of them to kind of coordinate together.
1: I think, you know, for Maori the problem that Luxon has is that because of the coalition agreement agreement he can't definitively rule out supporting it past select committee, but until he definitively rules out um, supporting it past select committee, Maori mm. are going to continue to agitate and be concerned and question mm. Mm. Um, what's going on there. Yeah, because yeah, you can't have
2: it both ways, can, can yeah. you? You can't say, "Oh, don't be silly, don't be silly, getting so exercised by this thing." We, you know, because we haven't given a commitment. All right, then. <laughs> Be clear. I couldn't be clearer that we have not given a commitment. Like, Argh, you know yeah, yeah. i No, 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 no. We don't do know I what you're Eyebrows, <laughs> yeah.
0: the sort of leaning in, just sort of like
1: uh, you know, you know. And because I think this government has created an environment where people expect the unexpected now. Because you know, for example, rolling back our smoking legislation was absolutely not on the cards and not being discussed during mm. the election campaign. Meaningfully, and then it popped up. So I think people are on higher alert than they might ordinarily be. Um,
0: David Simmons. And, more, and the, <laughs> the other thing is that, yeah, the. the And so all National are doing, you know, Lux, and this brings back to your point about Audrey writing about how sort of boring Luxon's speech was. National are trying to play a totally straight bat on this, especially during the sort of this danger period of, you know, yeah. the Hui, uh, the uh, Ratana, and um, Waitangi. You know, no deviations from the norm. You know, mm. that in in the past, you know, you see people, party leaders, prime ministers talking about spending Waitangi Day somewhere other than Waitangi, but Luxon's like, no, absolutely orthodox thing. Last last year, he spent, I think, at it, I think he spent Waitangi at um, Orake with Ngāti but this year it's like, no, Waitangi, just yeah. doing the normal things. No, <laughs> not scaring the horses, and he's and 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 what they've been doing, you know, and you know, you you might if you were so inclined you might feel a bit bad for for the prime minister in this respect you know they have they've made a couple of announcements since becoming government which you know are very close to what uh, Luxon was talking about on the campaign trail in terms of empowering Māori on the front line. So there's a $50 million boost for Māori immunisation uh, before Christmas, mm-hmm. which is going to go directly to whānau ora providers and uh, frontline iwi and uh, Māori health providers. And that's totally in line with the you know the policies that National ran on. Um, and they also, I think they, on the more sort of symbolic front, they sort of guaranteed that there wouldn't be any cutbacks to the extra 20, wasn't it the extra... F- 15 million over – for each of two years for Mm. Tematini. So, you know, they've – you know, obviously the the rhetorical kind of impact and actually, you know, the – the actual policies of, in, in a lot of cases, from the coalition agreements really were like really just kind of smacking Māoridom in the face and going, you know, like, you know, the the, the combined effect is, you know, there's a very hostile kind of, you know, new ground for conflict. But, you know, national are doing their best to just try and roll out their agenda and their policies and sort of... Get yeah. through this. Get, get through this wall of flames. It I mean, a very some, good
1: some would say that you know the injustice of it is is that Luxon and National, um, you know, in, in the weekend at the Huia mm. Tama Potaka and Dan Bidwa are the ones that are having to front up and defend a policy that's not theirs, no. <clears throat> and the party who has instigated mm. that this um, I this debate you. is you know having long. Um, called for a debate on these issues is not fronting up at any of the hui yeah. where the debate or the discussion is happening.
2: Um, you mean David Seymour, I mean, just to be clear. I mean,
1: I mean David, <laughs> exactly, I do mean David Seymour. The other thing I just wanted to quickly touch on at, about Huiamotu is hmm. one of the other really compelling things that happened at Huiamotu is you guys and our listeners might recall that um, Ngāti Whātua orake and Waikato um, have had a very rough couple of years relationship-wise because of over-treaty issues and cross-claims in the Auckland region. At Huia Motu, um, Ngāti Whātua came. A number of their rangatira were there. Um, one of their um, key um, rangatira wahine was... Um, uh, running one of the, the tents and facilitating one of the hui. So it was a really powerful um, message of unity that came from those two iwi as well who, are, who have been able to put aside their differences um, to come together and, and discuss these issues. So I think um, a lot of people were really mm-hmm. impressed by that as well and it shows how seriously they're, t- they're taking what's going down.
2: Um, d- We'll move on. I just wanted to mention there was one fantastic Luxonism in the interest of um, kind of being as as uh, straight and pushing things on. He said that he was happy with the uh, dissent that were appeared and he you know, embraced the debate, all the irrational and stuff, and he said, and I, and I quote, that's part of the process of being part of the process, which I thought, <coughs> thought
1: summed up a lot. Um, I love that. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little
2: NZDF personnel are being deployed to the Red Sea. It was announced on Monday afternoon at the after the first cabinet meeting of the year. And we had a slightly awkward lineup in the Beehive Theateret of Christopher Luxon, Winston Peters, the Deputy Prime Minister and Foreign Minister, and Judith Collins, who's the defense minister. It was kind of uh Apart from the very seriousness of the occasion, it was I sort of had a moment of thinking: who would have thought that you would have those those three together on a, on a stage? The gangs several, all year. several years ago. It's kind yeah. of amazing to behold, but very serious matter. New Zealand has um, <coughs> committed troops backing uh, an American-led uh, American with sort of the Brits and mostly in, in, in support in attacking Houthi. Uh, bases in Yemen. The Houthis are a militant Shia group uh, that kind of formed in the mid '90s, I think, and came to power after, well, seized large parts of Yemen following the Arab Spring when Saleh was um, deposed, and they have now they now control large parts of the west of Yemen, um, and that includes great part of the the border on the Red Sea um, which uh, of course is the Red Sea at the top of the Red Sea is the Suez Canal and that is a main shipping lane and they have been uh, uh, attacking uh, cargo ships and uh, there's been some raids and a bunch of missiles. And the Houthis, it's important to remember, have been part of a long-running civil war in Yemen. Um, Some people regard it as a proxy war, the Houthis are backed by Iran, sponsored by Iran, uh, and the the recognised government there supported by the Saudis. And horrible 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 civil war i think there are, you know like um estimates of 150,000 people being killed um during that that war um so the houthis are, have a sort of established a kind of version of government in the in the, in the, in the part of the country and some people say that their stated um, uh, defense of solidarity with with gaza is partly also because um, they want to uh, firm up their support among the population in yemen anyway mm-hmm. It's a, it's a very complicated situation, as so many of these um, conflicts in the Middle East are. Um, lots of kind of overlaying um, priorities and agendas. Um, New Zealand getting involved there. Interestingly, Luxon, Peters and Collins all insisted that it was fully to try and conflate what was going on there with what has happened in Gaza, Um which is hard to <laughs> hard to hard to reconcile with the very clear stated ambitions of the Houthis too—that their acts are in support of uh, of Gaza. They actually attempted to fire missiles into Israel in the days after the appalling attacks of October seven, when Hamas went into Israel. Um, but it is a very complicated situation. Annabelle, is New Zealand? right to be getting involved? Is this an important point of principle? And is it, is it, is it, is it plausible to suggest that it's not linked to, the that, it, that, it, that it's somehow separated out from the conflict that's playing out in Gaza?
1: Well, the Houthis weren't attacking ships, cargo ships, before October 7, and now they are. Also important to point out that, as far as I'm aware, no one has been killed by the Houthis in these attacks. Should New Zealand be getting involved? Um, I don't believe so. I think the argument that it's about upholding international law is somewhat weakened by the fact that we know that there's all sorts of incredibly serious um, human rights breaches and and probably war crimes being committed um, against the, the people of Gaza by... Israel, the American backed Israeli government, um, and we haven't made any strong. announcements about that. We haven't condemned Israel. We haven't put in place trade embargo sanctions. Not that it, I, we don't have a huge amount of trade with Israel, but symbolically still important. Well, New Zealand has, has
2: not, not, not in fact, called for an immediate ceasefire. No, I think we've said a, ces- an, an a cessation
1: of, the, of um, hostilities, yeah, but not that, called yeah. for a ceasefire. So I think it's a weak position that New Zealand's taken. I don't understand why we're getting involved. Um, you know, we do business with other countries that have highly questionable human rights issues going on, um, which we choose to ignore, and we choose to ignore because we're reliant on their trade. Um, this is a different situation. We don't have those sorts of ties. And I don't know why we would choose to get involved in this particular conflict conflict against the Houthis.
2: It's an interesting one, Ben, because there are sort of two... Uh, categories of support for these attacks, and we originally mm. put our name to the statements which come out from the White House from time to time, and they have this sort of list of countries that are that are acting in support.
0: That's right, because we supported the original strikes.
2: We did, in, in, in and then in early January, but we but so we were one of ten countries that were yeah. evol- of the coalition, right? And the now there are sort of and, and that's and that's that's that category yeah. to say we support is quite different to putting skin in the game, mm. in effect. To you know, it's, it's only yes, it's yeah. only six people, but these things lead to. A things. There are risks. No one would deny that there are risks involved, not just to the personnel involved, but to the repercussions. Um, Conflicts in the Middle East have a tendency to 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 compound them, extremism Um extremism. Yeah,
0: and and, and, and and that presents risks even at the bottom of the world. We walls, should right? always
1: be de-escalating yeah. and disarming, and 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 playing a peacekeeping role, not actively getting involved by sending and it's m- been, personnel.
2: It's been stressed that these personnel will not be going into Yemen. I mean, at this point, unless I mean, no. as far as we're aware, there aren't troops in Yemen. But it starts. It's an interesting but they're one. But are helping
1: to bomb military. Correct. Um, yeah. Yeah. Things in correct, Yemen correct. Work, correct. So they're trying
2: to, I mean, the, basically the, the at the at the bottom of the Red Sea, it becomes, it's like 25 kilometres across. It's incredibly tight. So this is shipping land is very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're trying to take out the launch sites. It's worth remembering that over this long-running civil war, a very well-armed Saudi Arabia could not knock out the Houthis, who were being mm-hmm. supported, you know, in, 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 in supply and in funds by... By Iran, of course. Anyway, uh, anyway, Ben, the the do do you do you, do you think that this was a necessary thing for New Zealand to do in solidarity with our Western allies? I mean, I I, I guess I, I wonder whether I wonder whether just as a Labour haven't said they wouldn't support it. It's easier to do that in opposition. And Britain, the Labour opposition, do support um, Britain's involvement.
1: But they've got imp- people like resigning from the party and stuff. Eh?
2: It's controversial, yeah. And it's in Britain, super controversial. A, but basically, I mean, one of the and complications unpopular. is that it's there's there's strikes, you know, mm. and there are you can support strikes. It, this is now a campaign, I, I and mean, then a campaign can transmogrify metastasize into a conflict becomes a war.
0: I don't, you know. I mean, you yeah, know, very basic level, New Zealand does have, you know, fundamental interests in. Secure, secure, and safe shipping shipping mm-hmm. routes mm-hmm. around the world. We're a trading nation, um, and and I'm not quite sure what our direct exposure in the Suez Canal is, um, but we have an interest in that kind of order. We can't enforce that in 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 uh, Southeast Asia strategically we do rely on the sort of presence of the United States. Um, I think it's been well noted by all of the geopolitical experts including me that you know <laughs> over, the, over the last over the last six to nine years we or six years, We have become more, uh, you know, we've had had more of a dual foreign policy where strategically we have been sort of getting closer and closer back to the United States um, and running that kind of tightrope with how does that impact on our economic sort of intertwining with China.
2: And that certainly seems to be Winston Peter's priority.
0: Yeah, that's right. And uh, and, and look, I I think that, you know, at a very basic level, When you become, you know, strategically aligned, quote unquote, with your partners, there, there is an expectation that you contribute. We are not, we're never expected to contribute. You know, per, you know, on a per capita basis or an equal basis, oh. certainly. But there is an expectation that yeah, you get some skin in the game. Are our six men absolutely necessary for this effort? I, I'm not a military expert, but I suspect not. Um, but I, I suspect it's that sort of clearly, you know, yeah, it's, it's clearly, it's, it's binding us in. Now, in a logical sense, is this related to s- stopping? You know what could you know very arguably could be called a genocide in uh, in uh, Gaza.
2: The ICJ is considering that question at this moment.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean logically, no. Beaver I mean, the,
1: South Africa,
0: the, the the Houthis have not succeeded <laughs> in, in in de-escalating the conflict in Israel with their own activities. In the Red Sea, um, and and so I think it's just a logical mistake to sort of think that by by taking action or supporting the United States, it's somehow you know keeping things going in Gaza. Um, I don't think the
2: suggestion is that. I think yeah. it's, if anything, it's it's the inverse, which is that the Houthis are quite interested in expanding the conflict into a region wide conflict. Oh, that's yeah, already ab- spilled over into yeah. Lebanon and Syria, and so. The I think like the, Iran the started bombing. I think the fallacy the thing, is to suggest yeah. that what is going on in Yemen is is somehow isolated from what's going on in Gaza because it isn't, and so no, the no. risk of a, a risk of things spilling into a wider regional conflict it is clearly linked to what's going on in Gaza. Yeah, I, I
0: mean, I think I think it's linked, but I don't think that it is. I, I don't think that it determines New Zealand's position on what's happening in Gaza. I think that okay, um, you know, New Zealand could certainly call for a ceasefire while participating in uh, you know, strikes against the Houthis mm. and, and those things aren't contradictory. Mm. Um, and to be fair to Luxon,
2: he has said that he will respect the ICJs. I think he said I'm not gonna remember his exact wording, but he I C J will make a preliminary ruling anytime quite soon on whether mm. or not Israel should be whether or not there is a case for it being a genocide. And then they would urge uh, Israel to stop. I mean, I, th- I think Netanyahu's already said, well, we won't be doing that. I mean, they also urged Putin to stop in Ukraine, which is... Um, but but I think Christopher Luxon has said that international law is, yeah. is, is is important and that should be respected. The
1: problem is that New Zealand, after 100 days of bombing, hasn't taken a clear position on Gaza. Um, and yet we're mm. prepared to stump up six of our people to go and fight the Houthis on behalf of the US
2: one of the move on now back to to domestic matters but in fact one of the voices that we would have heard in this uh, deployment of troops would have been Gora's government who, who who was spoke on lots of these issues for the Green Party but has resigned from Parliament and this was a really early on in the year it emerged through reporting by a new kind of uh, uh, bolt-on uh, subscriber part of news talk ZB Newstalk ZB plus run by Philip, Philip Crump, Crump for who, Philip Crump, former lawyer, for, used for, to use the Thomas Kremner pseudonym. I think he still does. I think does he's he? still got a substack. Yeah. Uh, anyway, you know. it was it was reported that Gaurav uh faced allegations of shoplifting in an what do we call it, an upmarket Auckland a boutique, boutique. Scotties, including a dress that. Might have costed fifteen thousand dollars, which is amazing. No, I, I think I think it was think oh, it collectively was, fifteen thousand. Yeah, collectively,
1: okay. right. okay. and so I, I think the, their highest right. priced dress was fifteen.
0: And then I it was, became I was nice. talking to somebody who said, "How do how do you shoplift a dress? How do you just like?" Uh. And I was. And, you know, my, my experience with these things is like...
1: Of your shoplifting experience. Yeah, yeah. It's like
0: yeah. It's, it, it's... The dress, like, it's inversely... Propor- you know, you're not paying for the the material, right? Like, once you get up to sort of $7,000 mm-hmm. dresses, it's basically like, you know, you order one, it comes in an envelope, like... Right. <laughs> so yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of basically just a magician trick, like, you know, the, the kind of scarf <laughs> trick, but in reverse as you feed it into your pocket and, like... <laughs>
2: You've got some experience in buying expensive clothing, and then disappearing. There was that whole episode when the like car- oh, real, so yeah. did, yes. did we? I don't know if we didn't have including that in our lockdown pods. It was a, it was a
1: time.
2: No, it was post lockdown. Was it? Yeah, I think it was lockdown. No, time. No, it wasn't. Okay, it it was, no, it was post lockdown. Anyway, uh, then, uh, it, 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 then it then then it turned out there was a second allegation, and then there was another a third allegation in Wellington. As, as as we stand, Garaman faces charges on those allegations of shoplifting. There was a weird kind of um, vacuum for a few days. Uh, uh, it was very early in January. Garaman was overseas. Uh, and then she returned and she issued a statement. The Green co-leaders, uh, James Shearer and Marama Davidson, gave a press conference and, and uh, then... Of course, we had a, a, a whole lot of media coverage because one of the things that was cited in the statement were, were mental health issues that Carmen faced and also some of the abuse that she's faced. Um,
1: I don't think that was in the statement. Was that not in the statement? that, that, that followed I think, thereafter? That, I think okay. that was in the presser. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. That was James yeah. Shaw afterwards. I mean, afterwards.
2: there was... And 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 I, d- I don't think any reasonable person can deny the truth of that. You simply need to log on; it's not secret, and then mm. there was a whole lot of yeah, further right. stuff that came into inboxes. Mm. Anyway, mm. it became—it's hard to know. You know, there's a lot, lot of, lot of um, commentary on this, Annabelle. Can it not be that it can be appalling the some of the realities that Karamun has faced? Mm we should be sympathetic to mental health issues Mm. and it's inexcusable to shoplift and the resignation matter, which it's been. I'd like to think I can hold all those thoughts in my head at the same time. I can too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's incredibly disappointing. You know, Golras is obviously a a very impressive woman um, who took a really courageous Stances on a number of issues Including the conflict in Gaza Um, It's Incredibly disappointing That Her um, That that her shoplifting Has impacted The credibility Of the position she took on those Issues and is being used To to undermine Those um, take Like what's happened in Gaza Um, I accept that her shoplifting is related to a mental health issue just like some people uh, indulge in alcohol, um, you know, develop an addiction to alcohol or whatever as a means of dealing with stress. So I understand that for a number of women um, shoplifting um, is a way that stress um, manifests itself. Um, We're
0: exercising control over your environment, According to two pieces I read in The Guardian. Mm.
1: Stephen you know. Franks actually did a really interesting tweet about this as well about how among the legal fraternity it's quite well known that women over the age of, of 40 um, can develop a Yeah there's a sort a, of a, a shoplifting disorder
0: Yeah the, the Guardian wrote about this it's, it's a sort of it's a, it's a, it's a social phenomenon mm. is it
2: self-sabotaging? So, is that what it is? I mean, I don't, I don't want to... Uh,
0: I, I mean, they, they, they offer a few variety yeah. of things, and, and some of it's about sort of taking control of your life, mm. some of it's about um, the dopamine hit, sort of, you know, re- yeah, to reduce mm. stress, uh, some of it is just sort of unexplained inexplicable, compulsive behaviour, and then they talk about how kleptomania might even be more widespread uh, than we think, because... In the same way as sort of you know, you, it's hard to sometimes figure out the difference between drowning and suicide stats. Mm. Um, mm.
1: Car no, crashes no, nobody and suicide ever thinks states. to attribute
0: kleptomania to poor people who shoplift.
1: Mm.
0: You know, they always think, oh, well, there's probably just stealing because they're poor. You mm. know, but it could actually be a compulsive mm. behaviour as well. Mm. So yeah, a lot of really interesting stuff to dig into. Yeah.
1: So yeah. anyway, for the a- for as the goal, as Gold Riz says, we expect a much higher standard of behaviour from our. MPs. Yeah. It's, she did the right thing by resigning. Um, I think it's really sad that her career has ended this way because it was great to have the, the voice of you know a, a, a refugee represented in our House of Representatives. Yeah. And I think um, although the Greens have been criticised for the way they've handled it, I think they did the best in a really uh, difficult way. Um, situation where, you know, the police aren't communicating with you because it's actually technically none of your business and all of that sort of stuff. I think people will move on pretty quickly f- f- from it. But, you know, it's it's going to haunt Golra's for the rest of her life and that's a shame.
0: Yeah, look, I think... Um Yeah, I I think the criticism of the Greens and the leadership has been pretty unfounded. Um, Very difficult position to be notified of this sort of between Christmas and New Year's. Um, The MP's about to leave the country, in these positions, you know, you, you actually—it's not the same as an errant minister, where the prime minister can just sack them from their warrant and then let nature take its course. Yeah, you actually don't, as, as a you know, apart from invoking the extraordinarily complex and largely unsuccessful Walker Jumping legislation, which is sort of years-long process. If an MP is not ready to retire or to leave, you can't make them, uh, and. Uh, and and certainly, you know, yeah, if you're, if you're not operating on full information, you're. It's not up to you to sort of go public with the mm. allegations made by sort of retailers mm. or whatever. Um, you know, you are left in a difficult position. I think they, I think they squared it away pr- kind of as quickly as they could. Um, obviously, you know, the, uh, by the end of it, at least Guddaman and the leadership were on the same page and you know did exactly what they needed to do um you know look in, in terms of its impact on her future you know these things these things don't have to be the end Defining, right but the, yeah. the, the 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 public aren't stupid and they can deter, and they can distinguish between you know really morally reprehensible mm. Things that people do in office, which lead to mm. the end of their careers, and things that, you know, simply just necessitate you having to go, yeah. and and you know, I think, and and so you know, what actually is more important is is, is what you do from there, mm. um, and yeah. you know how yeah, you sort absolutely. of how, you, how how you kind of take steps, you know, becoming a bit of a public role model is often part of that, you know, yeah. to. Um, and, you know, so, you know, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's all doom and gloom. Um, and it's worth
2: just reiterating that Golra's Garaman issued a statement saying people should rightly expect the highest standards of behaviour yeah. from their elected representatives. Mm. Yeah. I fell short. I'm sorry. It's not a behaviour I can explain because it's not rational anyway. And after I understand understand, I'm not well, but... With I that in I don't word. want to hide behind my mental health problems <laughs> and I take full responsibility. She's resigned. Yeah, I think right. that's just easy that to was forget a great statement. When we talk about, you know, I thought, making excuses or uh, no, right, something. Yeah. I, I you know? think
0: her, I think her supporters in a lot of ways haven't done her any favors in the same way as when Jacinda Ardern resigned, where Ardern resigned saying, Look, I'm just I'm just done with the job really and I don't feel like I have too much more to offer. Um and then her you know, her biggest supporters suddenly made this a narrative about women being forced from office by trolls, which I think is one unhelpful and two not true in our But okay, can't we I have those two conversations that, at the but same time? I don't time, think it know? was
1: that they were saying she okay, was forced. I think you, can, but you was shouldn't forced, say they're the
0: same conversation.
1: I don't think they were saying she was forced from office by trolls. She was saying they were saying oh, so, some that that, that it, yeah. unrelenting abuse yeah. and threats of sexual, physical hmm. violence against her created, you know, meant that she became, affected her mental health, which then caused her to um, engage in behaviours that, as she said, are not rational and ordinary and, and not okay for an MP to be doing. And that's what's led to her having to resign. Not that that she got trolled out of Parliament per se. Uh,
0: yeah, and I, I think I think it's good to respect the MP's words um, on that. Um, it was interesting, you know. It, it was actually interesting when other uh, politicians were asked about, you know, the, the kind of environment in, in mm. Parliament. I think Luxon said it was a tough environment. Um, There are a lot of tough workplace environments, also true, Um, and that, you know, MPs, you know, that parties should be providing as much support as they can Mm. to MPs. MPs should be proactively looking for help and assistance, which is definitely true. You do have a responsibility to Mm. sort of, you know, look after yourself if you're in a public role to try and sort of get the help that you need. Um, Then I think... uh, then they asked uh, Mark Mitchell on the way about in, in about, um, you know, mental, mental health in Parliament and particularly in the government case, and he said, um, you know, I think uh, getting getting exercise and a good diet is really important for mental health. And he was basically, I think, describing a boot camp. <laughs> it, was, it was, you know, a few laps around the obstacle course. That kind of... <laughs>
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't think I didn't see any uh, politicians, for what it's worth, attempting to you know leap on this and make capital or or, or, or any of that. So that's no, something, something to be something yeah. to be said for that. Yeah. And the other thing yeah. that is that is really more important than any of this is that we now seem set to have our second former Wellington mayor take up a seat in Parliament um, with uh, Celia Wade Brown. The next on the green list. I don't know if that has been confirmed that she'll be going in. And I like to imagine. Do you remember when Justin Lester was the mayor of Wellington, and he was picked as the sort of one of the great shining, yes, uh, yeah. you know, future Labor's, of Labour. Yeah. He'll be he'll be could be a future leader of the Labour Party. Anyway, that didn't work out. But now I would like to I'd, I'd like to um, see through his goggles the view of Celia Wade Brown joining Andy Foster on the benches of the New Zealand <laughs> Parliament. What a what a club that is. Um, and on that note, that's enough. Uh, good to be back. Q Theatre, and whenever it is, Thursday, the 15th of February. Thanks, everybody. Nice to see you guys. Kia ora.
1: Kia ora e tewi. Butler te here, podcast
0: manager at the spin off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by
2: signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate The Spin-off Podcast Network